Wow, so just, just a month. month. Yeah. And how has the transition been? The transition's been great. Um, it, it feels like we're on vacation, which is, I'm sure Charlie said the same thing, because like it, it's tropical, it's like perpetual summer. And, you know, back home is probably similar weather to you guys where it's still like 45, 50 degrees, you know, and then the next day it'll be like 80 and then it'll be like raining. So being down here with the sun out, like at first I was like, I have to get outside. I have to get outside because it's sunny and, and you're not used to having a lot of sunny days. And now I'm like, okay, calm down, Allie. Like, it's okay. You know? So as soon as we found like our gym place, our spray tan place, the priorities, of course. <laughs> now you're in your, your routine. Yeah, I would I would feel that about moving to a warm place like living in Canada. We'd be like, oh, I have to get outside and enjoy it. And then I, I've always found it really hard to like come up with a work schedule when it's really nice out. So I can imagine that's a transition. It's been so hard. And the funny thing too is like, you know, fitness people can relate to this. You know, when you go from the cold climate to all of a sudden you're living in something a little more humid. I was not drinking nearly enough water. So I started retaining more water. And I'm like, what is going on? Why am I gaining weight? Like, I, I was like, what the hell? And then I actually measured how much water I was drinking in a day. And I was like, oh my God, this is pathetic. So I was like pounding like, you know, a gallon, a little over a gallon. And I'm like, nobody else would understand this other than like fitness people, because you really have to start salting your food more and then drinking enough water and everything. Cause it, it's like, it smacks you in the face you know, living here is one thing, vacationing here is another. And, you know, when you're actually down here for a while, you're like, oh yeah, I got to acclimate, but you got to really hydrate. And so I was like pounding electrolytes and stuff too. No, it's so. true. I, I was down there. Um, I fought professionally before, so I was down there to train in Boca for a few weeks and people are like, that must be fun. You must go to the beach a lot. I'm like the first day. And then I realized how bad of a decision it was. And then I didn't go back until the next weekend. I, yeah. like dehydrated and exhausted <laughs> from training. Yeah, for sure. Oh yeah, because I was walking outside like twice a day because it was so nice, and I was like, I gotta stop. <laughs> I gotta like AC. Yeah. Awesome. Well, we won't talk too much more about the the like move itself. Charlie touched on it, um, and just all the factors that went into it. But I think we'll talk about what goes along with the move. Obviously, for for both of your careers, it's been a it's been a sounds like a great decision. Um, working with golf and then men's health on, on your end. What came first, by the way? Uh, golf. Golf came first. Yeah. Like everyone asks me, like, how did you get into men's health? And, and I'm like, well, I have daddy issues. So that's like what I really have been born to do is to really help. <laughs> no, I can't say that without laughing. Um, I was, I, I, I believed you there for a second. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is partially true. Like I have this like affinity to helping guys. Um, but it's just a joke. Like, you know, my parents are divorced and stuff. Like I think anyone who has divorced parents has daddy issues, but, um, it's just a fun way to say that that's how I got into it. But it really was through golf fitness because men care about golf fitness more than women. So I would get all these male clients and, and they're clueless to nutrition and hormone stuff only because men, as, as you know, are stubborn when it comes to going to the doctor. You know, like, uh, unless your penis is falling off or you have an emergency, like, you're not going to go to the doctor. <laughs> yeah. So they would, like, read stuff about hormones and everything. And I was just like, this is completely blasphemous. Like, no, this is all wrong. So I was like, I have to, I have to direct them somehow. 
and and it's and it worked because I'm not like the girlfriend or the wife who's like pushing them, and I'm I'm like a female that's like, hey, if you're 30 and you've got erectile issues, it's actually kind of normal, and they're like, oh. You know, so she's a woman saying that because they're not going to talk about it with their guy friends, you know, especially if they're in a younger age. Like they think men 50 and over have erectile dysfunction and sexual problems when it's actually really common now, even in guys in their 20s. And so I was like, okay, this is kind of like a niche here where it's like hormones and and men's health and golf fitness. and, And they do relate because the same clientele that are coming to me for golf fitness also want to feel better. And obviously everyone wants to look better. Maybe I've had like a 75 year old who was like, I don't care what I look like. I just want to play better. But I mean, come on. The conversation always turns to like, all right, how do I get abs? You know, <laughs> how do I do this or whatever? So it's, um, and, and, and I guess just the way that I talk about it, which is just very like, how do you open up that conversation I think a lot of people have issues with that yeah it's like because I'm not like hi I'm Allie how's your boner you know people <laughs> yeah. probably would be okay with that but some guys are a little bit put off now it's funny because like people I trained in person had no idea what I did did online or like the type of presenting and consulting and until I started talking about it And they're like, oh, I never thought it related. And usually when you're talking with a client, like it's specifically a new client, you're talking about what their goals are and basically their stress management and their lifestyle and all that stuff, you start digging. And and they say like, oh, I want to play better golf or I want to lose 10 pounds. Okay, why? So why are they saying that? And then, you know, starting to dig as to like why that means something to them And they're like, you know, oh, my father had prostate cancer and, you know, he went to this doctor and this doctor and then I heard testosterone is bad. And so then that kind of opens it up. Um, I won't directly ask if they are lacking a morning erection or if they're having issues. I will just mention it and say symptoms of overtraining, stress, blah, blah, blah could be low testosterone, but low libido, inability to achieve erection, especially every day, morning wood, and like then they laugh and it kind of diffuses the situation and then opens the conversation. And then it it seems to stay pretty professional, even on Instagram, like I joke, I've gotten one dick pic only, which I'm glad to keep it at that. I'm surprised Um, I got low, low number. (laughs) No, me too, but. I guess because I I don't personally post like, you know, the birth canal shots that like the OnlyFans people post and stuff. And I have gotten questions where they're like, "Uh, if I send you a photo, can you tell me if my erection is healthy? And I'm like, I know where you're going with this. No. (laughs) Yeah, no. At least they ask permission. I mean. (laughs) One guy did it. And I'm like, maybe you want to go to a doctor. I don't know what that is. But yeah. (laughs) and then what, what portion of your time is split now between those two things, golf fitness and um, the hormonal component, like online, offline? Um, so like before, before COVID, I was 50-50 really in person and online. And then um, the majority of my in-person people went to Zoom one-to-one. And then Charlie actually stole two of them from me, but because he was allowed to actually legally work being a healthcare you know, so he could train them. Um, and, and I joke, but like, 
they're, they're awesome. They're a couple that plays golf. Um, you know, they're great. So now I'm hundred percent online. I would like to take on a couple people in person here in Florida because I miss it. I actually had an online client who was here for a golf tournament last week and I trained him in person. I was like, Oh my gosh, I miss this. It's like so much fun, you know, cause it keeps the sword sharp and you know, you're not sitting and stuff like that. So, uh, I would say like of my golf clients, they also do nutrition, which also leads to the hormone optimization piece. And I do have a generous amount of guys who are on testosterone replacement as well. Because when, also when COVID hit, um, the, the laws for telemedicine in America changed where you used to have to fly to see somebody in order to get a prescription for a controlled substance like testosterone. But now everything, everything in the world can be done online, yeah. as we know. So I've, I took like 20, or actually 33 of my guys. I'm like, yo, go get on testosterone because we were dealing with doctors that were just incompetent. And I was like go get on it. And so now a lot of them are on it and they feel so much better. So it's like a smooth process. Right. And so how, um, how did you get into working with Dr. Eric? That's a conversation. Like I know I, and I've heard you talk on it before, but I know I've had, you know, some issues working with specific MDs and getting certain blood work and, and things done. Um, how did that relationship start because I know you guys are doing yeah. your testosterone Tuesdays and, and that type of thing. And I think a lot of practitioners uh, struggle with that relationship of MD, um, ND, whoever it is, and, uh, you know, fitness professionals or nutritionists. It, it's a difficult one because um, I do get a lot of fitness professionals that are like, hey, do you have any resources that I could learn what you learn? And I'm like, Yes and no. I'm like, you really have to go through the process with multiple doctors to understand why they approach things the way they do. I mean, I've spent thousands of dollars on labs and tests and appointments just to learn, just, you know, and I go to their office and talk to them. And this is like 10 years ago. But Eric, I had met about five years ago at a medical conference that I actually spoke at. And he was like in our clique of people. And I remember I was like, dude, I wish you lived in Connecticut so we could work together because he's out of Ohio. And then when COVID hit, like, I was like, yo, are you on telemedicine? Like, can we get this going? Because we had yeah. stayed in touch and everything. Um, and he was like, yeah, let's do this. And so he and I are on the same page with a lot of things. And I, I would encourage any coaches, when you develop that relationship with doctors, just make sure you're on the same page with a lot of stuff. Eric does his own nutrition coaching and all that, but when it comes to shared clients, he backs off because he knows that's really my area of expertise, and then he can cover the hormonal side. And if I have questions, he's very receptive to that, but basically I can send him someone and be like, all right, here's Charlie, you know, here he is training with me like four days a week, and he's having this problem, this problem. Let's get him on testosterone, blah, blah, blah. You know, and it's not like Eric's like, yes, whatever you say, Ali. He's like, all right, let's do the labs. Let's see what's going on. But more often than not, like I know what the person needs. And it's a, it's a good relationship in that sense. You know, whereas if you have a medical professional who does not do hormone optimization as their primary uh, practice, it's going to be more difficult. And that's a lot of what I was dealing with with other clients. It's like their GP or their endocrinologist. 
and it's not their specialty. So it would be like someone asking me how to train a pregnant woman. I have no freaking idea. And I'm not going to pretend, you know, there's, there's other people that specialize in that. Yeah. Like, I literally don't know that, like, I I have no idea. Like people have asked me and I'm like, I appreciate you thinking of me, but like, I, that's not something I choose to take on because I just don't know. Some doctors, I won't say all, but some doctors, they don't care about that. They're like, oh yeah, testosterone's bad or this is bad. And, and the person doesn't really have the truth. So, you know, it, and it's been a little over a year now where I've sent him a lot of people and, you know, they feel much better. And then we, he and I communicate obviously with HIPAA um, regulations, like the person gives permission for us to communicate, but it's cool because then if he changes something, then I'm aware. And then, you know, the person like will understand a lot better how they're supposed to feel, what to expect, all that stuff. So it's pretty cool. And I think it's something that every practitioner should look to develop because I mean, we're all going to be dealing with this. And if you deal with nutrition at all, hormones are going to be playing a part in that as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's such an important point to like be open to having those conversations with several different professionals because you do have to to find your people and it is hard. And if you're just going to one and just saying, oh, they all don't do it this way. um, You know, again, you wouldn't be open to finding someone like Dr. Eric. Um, So that leads me to, you know, what, what are the most common things you've seen with men's health that, you know, you've, you've needed to address from the hormonal perspective. So what are the common things that you're seeing? Um, And then we can talk about maybe some of the fundamental interventions that you would do starting out. So the funny thing is I was telling, I was telling someone the other day how so many men under eat and it's always women that are pegged with that. We just talk about it and it's just, it's expected that women, yes, women do under eat. However, do not eat enough for what they're doing in the gym and activity wise. And so that obviously comes with a whole host of problems where they feel like crap. Their sleep is like shit. Their digestion is shit. Like, you know, I'm sorry, I'm cursing. It's awful. It's totally fine. (laughs) Um, Cause I'm like more crass than Charlie, obviously. Uh, And, uh, um, and so their libido tanks. And so it's just all these like low energy, like they feel miserable and they're not going to lose weight. They're starting to get softer, all that stuff. And then all of a sudden they're like, well, I, I just need to eat less and train more, which is what any of us would think get, given what the media tells us to do. And so it's really fixing that or, or educating them to understand why that's not going to continue to work because that obviously will deplete your testosterone. Cause if you're not giving your body enough fuel, it's not going to say, Hey, you're feeding me enough to go procreate. So I'm going to give you a rock hard. It's under stress. It's like, I, you know, this is too much stress for my system. (laughs) Exactly. So just like women lose their period, guys lose their boner. It's the same thing. Like the body's not going to be like, yes, we must plant the seed because we're thriving. No, actually you're starving and depriving. So that rhymes. Ooh, there you go. Take it with you. I'm going to tweet that. (laughs) (laughs) Starving and depriving. Um, Yeah. And so I, I mean, I couldn't agree with you. I working with professional athletes, like we even see it at that level and it's like the undernourishment and it's like, you know, 
dealing with body composition issues and that's a constant conversation in professional sport and you know men do have similar image problems as as women that again we need to talk about because they think the same thing under you know under eating and more exercise and they're not getting that the you know long term damage of that professional athletes almost are are even harder because you got to fuel them to perform and they want the aesthetic as well. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, okay, you can have both. You have both. You don't acknowledge you have both because <laughs> the leaner you are, anything above that level of leanness is fat. And I know that because I think that personally, even if I, my abs are visible, anything above that is like obese in our mind. So, so yeah. if they get to a certain level of lean, anything above that, they're like, oh my God, I, I let myself go when they have like a 12 pack instead of a 14 pack. Oh my gosh, God forbid. <laughs> it's Adrian when he stopped fighting. <laughs> no, it's, it's true. You're, they, yeah, it's absolutely accurate for sure. I have like jujitsu guys now that are like, they oh, refuse yeah. to eat. And I'm like, okay, like one of my guys, I'm like, you're going to eat 650 grams of carbs for three days. Do not talk back to me that you're going to do this. And I said, you're going to be fine. And he gained like three pounds. And I said, okay, calculation wise, you should have gained like eight to nine. That's how severely underfed you are. And then he ended up losing weight. And, and like, you know, I'm like, how are you supposed to fuel your performance? So in the weight cuts that you guys have done, like some of the stuff you do, I'm like, it doesn't have to be that way. It really doesn't, you know? But professional athletes, again, they, they don't have the education or if they can't afford to have a private chef, they don't know how to cook. They don't know where to get the food, you know, and, and they run into the same thing that recreational athletes or, you know, general population run into where they're like, I want to look really good, but I also want to play really well. Yeah, which, you know, it's a, it's a constant conversation about, you know, performance and, and aesthetics. Like, okay, do you, want, do you want to look really good or do you want to shoot the puck really hard and score goals? Um, and that's, you know, and obviously they want both and I get wanting both, but it, it, is, a, it is a tough conversation because, you know, the, the undernourishment is a constant thing that, that we're seeing as well. So where do you start? I know you've talked about this before in terms of like fundamental interventions and things that people are missing just right off the bat with, you know, boosting say testosterone and these, these sex hormones that you're talking about. So trying to think like, where do I start? Well, it's really, I have to assess where the stress level is. And when I say stress, it's like the allostatic load. Like, all right, we've got training, we've got nutrition, we've got like, you know, do we have kids? Do we have a wife? Do we have a mortgage? Do we have a job? Like all of that. And then if they'll give me data, even better. So let's get glucose if we can. Let's get HRV. Let's get resting heart rate, blood pressure, all that stuff. Um, Food logs, you know, let's see how much we're actually eating. And then it's like, okay, how much are we training? I'm going to have you probably train less. So it's really getting a grasp of, all right, how good are the metrics or how shitty are the metrics? If they're really bad, I'm going to start them with everything that they never, ever want to do or thought they should, which is aerobic work, <laughs> aerobic work and sleeping and resting. And, and they're just like, what? Like, you know, cardio, I can just do hit. No, you can't. So you know, if, if your HRV is literally like 40 
and your resting heart rate is like 92, then, you know, we've got some work to do. And the best way to fix that is doing aerobic work. But our industry has gone so far into like hashtag fuck cardio. Like we have to do that. <laughs> we live and respirate aerobically. The way our body deals with carbs and fats is mitochondria. How do you build mitochondria? You do aerobic work. And you only have to do it for like six to eight weeks and then we're done. And then you can just do bouts of Tabata or whatever you want to add in after to maintain that. But the drop-off for aerobic fitness is so much less than it is with lifting. So we establish habits of, all right, let's, let's work on sleep hygiene. Let's not scroll and get mad at people on Facebook at night. You know, let's <laughs> go to bed, focus on our sleep habits, get, it, get some walking in, get some sunlight. All this stuff we thought was like tree-huggy, earthy, crunchy. Let's start doing that because, yeah, we have to do that. And um, getting them to eat more, it's like usually they understand at the point that they come to me, they feel horrible enough where they're like, I'll do anything. And then I tell them too, listen, you might gain weight, probably won't, but you might. Because most people have like a 40% buffer that they can increase food with no change in weight just because they're under eating so much. And so we basically increase their calories, increase their work capacity, get them, you know, training intelligently, get their aerobic work done. And then when we get the calories to a high enough place and they've been there for a while, then we can look at going into deficit if we want to cut or whatever. But if you're coming to me eating 1900 calories as a 35 year old man, I'm sorry, but I'm not going to be like, yeah, let's diet. Like, no, we have to get you to a level of your body feeling safe. So uh, using aura ring is very useful for that. Um, and using uh, uh, the MyZone or using Polar for uh, heart rate uh, data and stuff like that. Yeah. So the, 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 the complete hate and disdain we have for aerobic activity in our present fitness culture is such a unique one to me. Like, it's so, it's, it's so interesting. Like, where did this come from? Like, are we, we're just so lazy. We don't want to do any, any like, thing that takes shortcut. longer than 20 minutes. No, I don't understand. It's like, it's funny. Cause like, I'm trying to think of like, okay, the first time I heard this argument maybe was like 2006 or seven or whatever. And I was one of those coaches. I was like, we don't have to do cardio anymore. We can just do hit. Yay. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> like I totally w was like promoting that and everything because I didn't like understand the concept that I apparently learned in college, but like, <laughs> you know, who pays attention? Cause you learn like, like, uh, the theories in college, but you don't learn how, how to. Yeah. You're like mitochondria powerhouse yeah. of the cell. And that's all I'm going to remember. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, oh, oh, so like, you know, I started um, taking a course with the muscle nerds and Luke Liebman, who owns that company out of Australia. And he teaches like the biochemistry and like, you know, you're like, oh yeah, Krebs cycle, duh. But like the application to training. And I was like, holy shit, like th this is like, it made me feel so stupid because I've been doing this like 20 years now that I'm like, how does this feel like a new concept? But it, I, I don't know. You can revisit that at so many times, and it's still like what? <laughs> yeah. And like my friends and I, because I'm 39, like we talk about it. I'm like, do you ever feel like you have no idea how to write a program? And then other days you're like, I totally have this nailed. And they're like, yes. And I'm like, okay, good. Like I'm glad that I don't feel alone. But like otherwise, it, it's like this massive like panacea of like you know what is going on. But 
to, to get back to your point, um, when CrossFit became popular and it was these short, intense workouts, I think people are like, oh, I got ripped from that. And then CrossFit had a baby with paleo diet that created a host of all these metabolic issues because CrossFit being glycolytic, you have to feel that with carbs. But if, if you're using only sweet potatoes as carbs, it's only so many sweet potatoes you can eat before you feel like shit. So, yeah. But um, uh, so there were studies, the Tabata studies and all that stuff that showed you know, the benefits of that, and we're not denying the benefits. However, if you don't have that aerobic foundation, you can't recover as well in between workouts and sets. You can't sleep as well. Like, it's literally amazing where I tell people, we're going to do this, and then all of a sudden, their heart, their resting heart rate drops, their HRV goes up, their uh, ability to recover is a lot better, their sleep's a lot better, their blood pressure goes down, and I'm like, yeah. I mean, it's better than taking a pill, literally, like this shit works. It takes time and it's not the, you know, really quick um, shortcut that people want, right? Oh, and, and it's like, you know, the, the typical approach to physique is like low calorie and then keep cutting carbs out and then add cardio, add cardio, add cardio, add cardio to where it's like three hours of cardio, 1100 calories, all that stuff. You take all the carbs away when the person is lean is getting leaner, which is backwards because the leaner they get, the more insulin sensitive they become. And that's where you want to add the carbohydrates because if you take something away, like all these keto people take carbs and protein away, you don't have the enzymes anymore to break down those um, foods. So all of a sudden you're adding carbs back in the person, their stomach is like, what just happened? You know, they, they're smooth looking. They don't look as hard as they, they need to adding those carbs back in because you haven't been eating them for like six to eight weeks. And it, it's crazy where it's like, instead of using the cardio to chase calories, do it in the beginning of the program so that when you get to the point where you can't really lower food anymore, you're doing like 10 minutes of some hit training because you can versus having to do two hours of like steady state just because you don't have that aerobic foundation and the ability to oxidize more fats and carbs. And so that's where our industry needs to like kind of do a turnaround. Cause I see like, you know, the gyms down here, I am the biggest meathead on the planet. I love these bodybuilding gyms. They've got like nine step mills because they live on the step mills. And I'm like, guys, it, we're in season now. It's summertime. Like we shouldn't be doing all that cardio. Granted, some people have to because, you know, certain reasons, but whatever. That, that's yeah. my tangent on cardio. <laughs> no, no, it's good. It's interesting. I noticed in the boxing gym, there's like a one guy who's um, – He's actually fought Gennady Golovkin. He's from Toronto. I'm like, this guy never gets tired. I'm like, Steve, what do you do? He's like, I run lots. And that was like the entire conversation. I'm like, oh, that makes a lot of sense, actually. <laughs> How long a round lasts? That's aerobic. Yeah. I'm like, that makes a lot of sense. He, Weird. You just fought for 48 minutes. Like, <laughs> yeah. like even, even this, like the short, like three minutes. Okay. That's still aerobic. Like, uh, you know, aerobic intervals are still a thing, but you know, it, and it just makes me laugh too. Cause like, I don't know if Charlie went into true hit training, but I learned from him, like the principles of real hit training and these classes at all these places are like 30 seconds on 10 seconds off. I'm like, okay, so it's aerobic training, but they call it hit. And 
Yeah, exactly. you can't you can't maintain that amount of intensity. We talked we talked about it a bit and just rest periods and how again like it's it's become this you know standard conversation of the you know shorter shorter everything basically short like you know actually work out work out harder for that amount of time and then short rest periods and then you're supposed to put the same output in your second to tenth interval or twentieth yeah. roll. <laughs> it's like we, we walked into. Um, we went to GNC the other day to grab an energy drink before we went to the zoo. And right next to GNC was a gym. And the name of the gym was Hard Exercise Works. And I was like, who would name a gym that? <laughs> but if you're a you know, consumer, you walk in there, you expect to be completely annihilated. And like, these are what, pe- this is what people want. You know, because yeah. like we joined LA Fitness, we have like the functional training space with, with turf and rope. Oh, <laughs> they, yeah. have a hit, they have a hit room, by the way. They have a room called H-I-T. It's not even H-I-I-T. So it's not even the correct name because H-I-T is something else. But they have like, it, it looks like an orange theory, but it's a little room. And they have a, a, an echo bike in there. And I actually wanted to use that. And so I went over, room's locked. And I'm like, can I use the echo bike in the hit room? And they're like, no, the hit room's locked. Okay, but why? Like, is like the hit, like the echo bike special that like I can't use? Unless you're following this exact protocol in the class, you can't do it. Yeah, it's like when they used to lock kettlebells up at the gyms because you know no one knew how to use them. Okay, they've only been around since like the 1800s, but you know, I don't know. The the OG weight, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Well, you mentioned actually you mentioned keto in there. Uh, what, have, what have you seen over the last couple of years with keto, especially men's health? What about it? I'm sorry, I missed you. Oh, go ahead. Oh yeah. So just asking, like, what have you seen with ke- like the trend of keto and men's health? Is there a connection there, or do you get a lot of clients who have tried it and you've seen certain things? Because I think the literature and all that stuff is definitely still coming out <laughs> on yeah. the long term effects of that. Yeah, it totally has. I mean, and in my lectures, I, I tell people, hey, the keto diet's been around since the 1800s. Like the first publication on it was by William Banting. It used to be called the Banting Diet. And he came up with it for people who had like epilepsy and yeah. stuff. Um, but but now we have keto cookies and ke- like, you know, I think it's funny. Now, I, I do make fun of that stuff, but I do say at least you know what you're getting. Like if it's a keto cookie, okay, the, the fat is going to be ridiculously high. Like, you know what you're kind of getting into. Um, I have had guys that have tried it. It does seem to work better for men than women, similar to fasting, just because of how our hormones are and how stress reactive we are. And the, the one client I love to talk about, he did strict keto, like true keto for three years. Cause usually when people say they're keto, it's like low carb. And on the weekends, they, they aren't keto. Right. <laughs> he was like, he measured his ketones, like, I don't know, four times a day and all this stuff. Like, he was like into it. And then over time he realized that he was like getting skinny fat because you can't really maintain a positive nitrogen balance. And so he hated how he looked. So when he came to me, similar to what I was talking about before, we couldn't just go right into carbs because he didn't, he didn't have the enzymes. I didn't want him to blow up and freak out because carbohydrate, you're going to hold water. So we slowly built them up to where he was doing refeeds of 800 grams of carbs. And like, it was amazing. And he, he was filling out. He had gained almost, I think it was 20 pounds working with me. Most people would freak the fuck out, but his waist was the same. His waist stayed right. the same. 
Like it was hilarious. And I was like, that's how much your muscles were like, feed me, like fill me up, you know, because it was crazy. And so he's doing very well and now has a lot more energy and can lift a lot better and just feels a lot better. There are people that feel good on lower carb. And I think if somebody does not train and they just, they're sedentary, it's, it's phenomenal. Like try it, it'll help you, you know, focus and everything. But if you're trying to train hard or if you're playing a sport, especially a glycolytic sport, it can be an absolute disaster because carbohydrates are the quickest form of energy. So to ask your body to, to, you know, get fat as energy, like, yes, fat comes with a lot of energy, you know, per gram, but the metabolic process to like extract that is going to require a lot more steps than it does with carbohydrates, especially for the explosive sports like hockey and stuff like that. What, what is 800 grams of carbs, by the way, for people that are listening? What is 800? Yeah. Like what would that what represent? What would that look like? Yeah. What would that represent? <laughs> Oh man, he, he would stack like rice cakes all the way up. And I'm like, why are you eating rice cakes? Like that's just, it, it, doesn't that take like four hours? Um, <laughs> usually it's a lot of cereal, you know, any type of cereal, cream of rice, which is really dense, sushi, because you know, sushi rice is really dense and it's like delicious. Um, pancakes, waffles, like, you know, a lot of that. All, all of the carbs. Yeah. Uh, I love that you mentioned that because, uh, you know, again, I think with any of these um, quote unquote fad diets or things that have come up for weight loss, fat loss, it's all context and it's all goal based. Like, you know, again, if you're, if you do want to train hard, um, you do probably have to sacrifice, you know, being able to put your body in the position to get to those, those intensities. Otherwise, yeah, like you said, you're going to be tired and hungry and, and moody. <laughs> yeah, um, and, and people, I think part of the reason they, they err on the lower carb keto diets or feel good on that, number one, obviously they drop water so they see your result right away. Yeah. But number two, they can't handle carbohydrates as well because they, they aren't aerobically fit because people are more sedentary than ever. And when they're sitting... <sighs> And hyperventilate, like you're burning carbs at rest. So your body is sympathetic and it's churning through all of that stuff. And so, yeah, your stress level is basically making you insulin resistant. So they feel better on lower carbs, on ketogenic diets. Like I get that. But like you said, as soon as you take somebody and put them in a training environment, then, you know, you really have to fuel with carbs. But no one has to do anything they don't want to. I just tell them, hey, this is like, probably would make sense according to science and usually science you can't really change it so <laughs> yeah and that's the big thing I mean being in sports nutrition it's like that that is where the literature is like it's all on you know and there there is more coming out about being quote-unquote fat adapted but you know if you're a fit person as you mentioned if you're a fit person you're going to burn fat more efficiently and that's yeah. how do you do that you do the aerobic training obviously you know weightlifting and you have good hormones <laughs> um, you know yeah. it's like i think that's something that people really miss about again like being in the a fat burner and being metabolically flexible it's like well no the more fit you are the more metabolically flexible you will be um, and, uh, you know, I think it just comes down to, like you said, education on, you know, what substrate are we using at what time when we want to train in this way? Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, at rest, if people are hyperventilating, they're burning carbs at rest, we want to be burning fat. And usually they think it's the other way around. Like I'm training, I'm burning fat. And no, actually you're like ripping your muscles apart. Um, but you know what I mean? Like when, you, when we're sitting, like right now, we should be burning fat at rest. But if we're stressed out or if we took like a stimulant or something, we're going to be sitting here burning carbohydrates. And it's really everything that happens outside the gym that affects people the most or affects their results and their ability to achieve results the most. So, yeah. so you, mentioned, you mentioned stress a lot. I just wanted to break that down a little bit more um, because, you know, obviously there's, there's physical stress that we've chatted about um, with a lot of activity and kind of doing too much and, and not nourishing enough. Um, but what about the, the impact of just like mental, emotional stress, everything that you see that's going on in the world today, um, how does that impact hormones? I like that question because literally the whole last year, I had so many men who had erectile dysfunction at any age. And I had guys who were questioning their testosterone replacement protocols, thinking it wasn't working anymore. And I said, okay, we're going through a pandemic right now. And, and it literally had guys so stressed out because erections thrive on being able to be parasympathetic, which rest and digest, right? So the way I explain it, it's like the science of boners. So you're sitting there right now. If you were on a, a computer, like if a guy's on a computer and he has a deadline, like say this podcast, you had to get it out, edit it in two hours. Focused on that. Naked woman walks across or walks in front of you. And, and, and it's like to shift gears is very difficult if a guy is extremely focused and like stressed out of his mind. Because if he's stressed, he's sympathetic, he's like this. Achieving erection is not like priority, even though the woman walking by him, like, you know, ready to go. If he's relaxed and chilling out and like, oh, we can edit this in a couple weeks, it's a lot easier for him to achieve an erection. And so I tell guys that the focused deadline attitude is how your body is acting all day, even though you may not feel stressed. Because how many times have you heard somebody say, well, I don't feel that stress? It's not necessarily something you have to feel. I can take your resting heart rate and that would tell me otherwise. So would your blood pressure. So to explain to them what goes into having an erection is huge because they think it's just testosterone. Testosterone's like, there's like three things that go into it. And testosterone really is probably the third. The second would be blood flow. So if you're not healthy, you're not going to have healthy blood flow. If you're um, constricted or if you're taking a medication that requires uh, that blood flow to be constricted. But the primary thing is usually stress, that guys put so much stress on themselves that Again, the body's not going to be like, oh, time to procreate. It's more like, no, run from lions. You know, I'm not going to give you a boner while you run from lions. Like, that's weird. So, <laughs> you know, that, that's, that's not how the body works. So um, I did see very much an increase of men in literally any age. Like, I had guys in their 20s experiencing that, um, premature ejaculation, not being able to ejaculate at all. Um, some of that has to do with blockages in, in the penis, and that was more medical related. Um, and it's funny because they thought I can solve that, but I can't. But I can help you from the stress perspective as to, all right, let's, let's kind of figure this out. Like what medications are you taking? 
you know, are, are you, you know, what's your lifestyle like and stuff like that. So talking about it openly like this helps them understand that, Hey, nothing's wrong with you. Number one, you're in a pandemic. And if you're, you know, losing your job or you have a family to support, that's going to affect you whether you feel it or not. Yeah. And I, I love that you broke that down because yeah, people really don't understand that. They think probably even sex in general is, you know, a sympathetic thing where it's a sympathetic thing when you're ejaculating, right? Or it's, so, it's parasympathetic to get yep. erection and then sympathetic when you ejaculate. I just wanted so, to. <laughs> the acronyms for that point and shoot. So point is parasympathetic, shoot is, sy- is sympathetic. I love that. I'll, I'll, never, I'll never forget that fact right now. Yeah. <laughs> we're at a medical conference. I'm like, oh, they actually are funny sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So in terms of like supplementation, what is your current routine? Uh, like what I know. Well, maybe, should we go, what's the standard routine for? Yeah. First? What's Sorry. What's the standard routine? Like in terms of, I know it's individualized, obviously. Um, but what are some of your go-tos uh, in terms of like, again, foundational, um, just support in terms of hormones and men's health? Um, so supplements, like, I, you know, everyone always asks what supplements, and, and it's funny because it's always what, what testosterone boosters, and I'm like, okay, none of those. You know, the ones <laughs> that, like, vitamin shop, and I just love, like, using the whole aisle of, like, all the men's health, and it's, like, Pesto, ultimate. whatever. There's a bunch yeah. of them, yeah. There's so many of them. Um, I'm always having guys go on fish oil because – if you don't eat fish, if you eat fish, it's still, there's always an imbalance of the omega-6 and 3 that I see on Chronometer, which is the nutrition app. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's great for inflammation, it's great for brain health, and it's great for that omega balance. Vitamin D, especially, even if you're in the sun, just we don't manufacture it and, and absorb it the way we used to. But I think a good quality multivitamin is literally like so overlooked because multivitamins are boring. They're not sexy. People still get them from like CVS and, and it, like, or like the chewables. <laughs> yeah. Or like the gummies. Like I get it. They taste good. No, you need one that has the right cofactors in it to absorb for, to allow the food that you eat to actually be effective. And so I just tell them that it'll help with fat loss. Cause if you tell somebody that they'll take it. Because usually, like, a good multivitamin is not one pill either. Like, these one-a-days, like, you guys know what is in your supplements requires multiple pills. So, yeah. Otherwise, it's going to be a massive horse pill that nobody's going to be able to swallow. So, I think a good quality, high-quality multivitamin, if anything, just get that in. Right. And then, if you're willing to take more, please take vitamin D, a fish oil, some magnesium, and then most people, mostly guys on creatine, um, I think women should absolutely take, everyone should take creatine, but some people with the water weight, you know how it is. Um, <laughs> or they're like scared of it or heard that it's like a steroid or something, which is like, that's still a thing. Apparently. Which is wild because it is the most researched like supplement in that and caffeine. And there's still this like, Ooh. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, like, they'll have like four energy drinks, but you won't have creatine. Okay. <laughs> how many, how, how much? Creatine. Oh, five grams is fine. Five grams. Yeah. I mean, you can load it if you want. There's really, like, it doesn't matter, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Women can probably get away with, like, three and a half, you know, because you can measure that, so. 
just three quarter scooper. Just like just, <laughs> just knocks just, them off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just throw it in. So awesome. I think that would be that'd be like my stack. You know, I think right. that's pretty common among most uh, coaches is the basics. Yeah. And then obviously if somebody has you know unique issues like gut health or whatever, like you can go down that road. Yeah, uh, but I think it, it gets a little bit crazy with the amount of supplements people want to end up taking to feel like they're doing something, and it really doesn't require that much. But the multivitamin is literally one of the most overlooked. Yeah, one hundred percent. I agree. It's like you're you're literally getting all those things, and you you're having it with food, which is increasing your absorption of all of that. It's like mind blowing. But, um, what does your personal, so what are your personal goals right now? And what are you doing, um, from a supplementation perspective? So we have our, our, uh, wedding ceremony in August. Exciting. The fourth time we've moved. We've moved ours twice. So we're, we're there with you. <laughs> yes. So you know how this whole thing, oh my God. So like, this is the fourth prep prep. Cause I treat the wedding like a show prep. I know I'm crazy. So that, that's my goal right now. Um, and so that, that's basically going to be the focus for the next few months until the wedding. And basically in this climate, I'm kind of looking forward to all the sweat and all that and stuff. Um, so that's kind of been my focus, I think, for like two years because, you know, you, you don't know when. Yeah, it's like, okay, well, oh, let's pull the plug. So go back to maintenance calories. And then I think that's how I've been able to do now four preps um, safely. And supplement wise, oh man, I have the designs for health two a day multivitamin. Nice. Four pills a day, which is like the minimum I think that you can get away with, right? You know, some, some of them are like, not you guys, but other brands are like up to 12, eight pills. Like this is what is going to be required of you if you're taking a multivitamin, not these one, one pill a day. BS. Yeah. <laughs> um, a fish oil and vitamin D, which I'm not very diligent with. I should be because I'm kind of like, well, I'm in the sun every day, but I know that doesn't matter. <laughs> um, and magnesium, like a lot of, you know, we deplete so much magnesium through training and especially with sweating and stuff. So I, I do take magnesium every night. I take melatonin. Um, I take PQQ for mitochondrial health, which yeah. should only take if you do actual aerobic work, but people want to take pills for everything. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's it. Um, awesome. And then what, yeah. what is the training routine? What's, uh, what's going on in the gym these days? So I, I lift, I have four days of lifting right now. And then two, on two of those days, I do 10 minutes of cardio, 10 minutes. Um, and then on Saturdays, I do like a 45-minute run, just nasal breathing. So it's like super slow. Like I, was, I was actually listening to a podcast about nasal breathing and testosterone. Have you seen any of that um, research? Yeah. Where, yeah, I actually found that stuff fascinating because I also do bike rides with nasal breath. Oh, yeah. It, yeah. It's game-changing. Because like with men too, like especially guys who snore – that's a form of sleep apnea and sleep apnea is a major contributor to low testosterone. Cause if your sleep is disturbed, your cortisol is going to be really high and that's going to combat testosterone production, kind of suppress it. So 
you know, it, it's mouth taping is a thing. Like it looks like so S and M. So that's why I love it. But I'm like, no, try it. Like, you know, it could really help. Yeah. I haven't done the mouth typing yet. I've like thought yeah. about it, but um, yeah, it's, it also seems super extreme. <laughs> so what, what is the, what is the correlation between nasal breathing and testosterone here? Cause you guys are having a side conversation, but oh. I realized that I don't know. Um, about. So yeah, well you can go into it. Alley. <laughs> <laughs> it's similar to like, like if you're breathing through your mouth, a lot of the times you're breathing through your chest and then it's more of like a hyperventilation. Right. So with the nasal breathing, it helps your rest- resting heart rate come down and then you're less likely, likely to live in a sympathetic tone. Got it. Makes sense. And I, yeah, also, I, I mean, again, you like, it's just from like one podcast that I heard this. So definitely not on a bunch of studies or anything, but um, just like the relation to also to pheromones and your smell. And that was also another connection that I found really interesting. And I don't think, yeah, I don't think there's a, like a lot of research on it. Um, but I thought that was really interesting. He just kind of made the connection between this could also be part of it because um you know, he was talking about a study where there were, um, women who were choosing their partner's t-shirt based on the smell and it had actually been washed, but they like, I think it was like a crazy, like 80% or more women chose their boyfriend's t-shirt out of hundreds of t-shirts, um, because of the smell of this. And I'm butchering the study, but I just found that so interesting because they like, again, like that attraction part of the, um, the connection to our smell and like knowing that it's our partner, which I found. Yeah. Really- no. Yeah. I, I, I heard that too. And I'm trying to think like, I butchered that- the study for sure, but no, 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 no. I, I don't, I don't have it memorized either, but I remember like the, a lot of the shirts were like sweaty, right? Like it was the, yeah, sweat. yeah. Yeah. And so they like knew their partner, which I just found was fascinating. Anyway, that was off topic, but, oh, um, <laughs> But yeah, no, I think that's uh, that's such an interesting thing to, you know, the lifestyle parts of, of boosting testosterone as well. Like, like you were talking about just like basic things that people aren't thinking about, um, like nasal breath. <laughs> yeah, like literally sleeping, but like it, it, it's so boring. You know, it's not like, sexy, so people are like, I'm, I'm not interested in that. <laughs> yeah, like um, nasal breathing is hokey to them. Sleeping is boring. Like, I get it. <laughs> um, awesome. So you're, you're training, you, you do like a weight training routine three times a week, four, four times a week, four. four times. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. And then how often do you personally like switch up your, your training regime and do you, do you program or does Charlie or do you do your I don't own? Know. No, I, no. So spouses, <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but like spouses can't work together. They can't coach. Oh, I hired a new coach. I, I'm, someone else programs for me now. <laughs> yeah. So Luke, Luke uh, the Muscle Nerds team, uh, Luke and one of his coaches, Shane, so they handle, we're going on, I can't remember, three or four years. Um, I've been working with them and they've been handling all my program. It is so awesome. I hate doing my own program. And as a coach, like I will make knee jerk reaction decisions. Like as soon as I don't feel something's working, cause I don't give it enough time, like all of us. And you know, they'll tell me like, shut up and just keep doing what you're doing. Now, granted, I'd like to be talked to like that. Some people need a little bit more coddling, but I, I, I'm like, just tell me I'm being crazy, ignore it and just keep doing what I'm doing. And it always ends up being fine. Um, but it's so nice to just get your program, walk into the gym, have something to do versus like, oh, I, I'm going to do this. Because what, 
what do we do? We end up doing the same stuff we love doing every single time and we don't do stuff that we need to do. Yeah, no, it's so true. I, I 100% agree. I love having a coach and a program. Otherwise it's like, I'm going to do front squats and pull-ups and that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> same with me. Yeah. It's like, um, I would love those are my program, but I should probably not do that every, every day. <laughs> yeah. No, he has me doing like 25 rep uh, back squats right now. And I'm like, oof. Those in tempo, you're like, I know the benefits of this, but I really hate it. <laughs> I, I am also like the slowest lifter in Florida. Like the, these kids, a lot of like high school, college kids at, at these gyms. So for me to do like a four second eccentric, they're probably like, this woman's nuts. Like, they're just like, you know, everything is like, yeah. <laughs> You got a t-shirt that says that the slowest lifter in Florida. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that would go over well. Um, awesome. Well, thank you so much for our time. We'll, uh, we're uh, at about an hour here. Um, so thank you so much. This has been such an awesome conversation. Do you have anything that you want to add or something that maybe we didn't ask you that you want to touch on? And where can, sorry, and where can men uh, find out more if they do want to uh, follow up with some, some more details? Um, so my Instagram is currently at the Allie Gilbert, but my website is AllieWeingroff.com. Because of the wedding moving, it's been a slow transition. But basically, <laughs> that is where you can find me. Um, you can find info on all my programs on AllieWeingroff.com and everything. So that's really the easiest. All my content's really on Instagram. I'm on Facebook, but I don't really post as much on there. Um, and then you asked me something else I already forgot. Oh, I asked you, um, yeah, any parting thoughts or, or uh, something maybe we didn't ask you that you want to touch oh. on? Hmm. I don't know. <laughs> it's a lot, lot of pressure. I know. <laughs> uh, so, but I will be launching um, a do-it-yourself program, I think in a week or two, which are basically uh, programs on True Coach that don't come with the coaching. So it's like a hypertrophy program, you know, metabolic program, stuff like that, where people get access to the app, new program every month, and it'll just be a monthly um, fee versus the actual coaching with me. So for someone who knows their way around the gym and doesn't necessarily want to pay for a coach or talk to me, that's fine. I'm not offended. They can sign up for that. So that'll be in my next, like, is that just training or also nutrition? Just training. Just training. Okay. And for your nutrition, it's all like customized one-on-one -on -one with you? Yep. And I do consults. So if you just want kind of like to hang out and chat for an hour and like throw questions at me, we can do that. But I do go through like a food log and a very in-depth intake. Um, and then my coaching program is a minimum of four month commitment but it's both training and nutrition. So basically, if you want to change your life, you will sign up for that. It, it's a good investment, but again, if you don't want to go into that, we can just do a consult or you can just do the do-it-yourself stuff. Awesome. Well, it was so great to chat with you and we really appreciate all your perspective on, um, yeah, on, on your approach. And um, we know that our listeners will get so much out of this. Well, thank you guys for having me. This has been awesome.